We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Send it in, Jerome! Hit it! Here's a little gangster short size, a t-shirt Levi's, this is only disguise. Built like a tank, yet this is Heat Check. On a Wednesday night in the middle of the college basketball season, from the Bill Austin Radio Studio, I am Peyton Gallagher. Across from me on the other side of the window, Gabe Schwartz and our big three, fab three freshmen, Scott Sanduli, Riley Swenson, and Kevin Malader. And gentlemen, we have to dissect a bunch of important matchups that have taken place in the last three or so days. Heart of conference season, we're finding out who everybody is. And the Bucks stopped in Westwood last night as UCLA took a throttling to Arizona, beating them by double digits as we were serenaded by Bill Walton. We also need to talk about Xavier and what's wrong with the Musketeers. Auburn gets a scare from Missouri. Michigan State is upended by an Illinois team without their best two players, thanks to the heroics of Trent Frazier. Nobody can be mad about that. Gabe, where do you want to start? I would prefer to start with uh, Arizona and UCLA. That makes logical sense. Um, I think there was a lot of people overreacting to what happened last night. Certainly. In Pauley Pavilion. I will not be one of those people. Um, this program knows the joke, uh, or at least the joke has been, that I am Arizona's number one fan. Mm-hmm. That will not change. Last night is not changing anything. Okay, explain. That's my opening statement. Sure, I, I appreciate that. I just and wondered if you had a rebuttal. And clear, so you're doing your job there, but I, I would like to hear why. Okay, That's the so, next part. Yeah. So I'm not a huge fan of Kirk Creasy going 0 for 12, but also that's yeah. not going to happen to the same extent. Uh, you can push back to me and you can say, well, Kirk Creasy was 0 for 12 and he turned the ball over a decent amount of times. Uh, it looked kind of similar to what happened. He had four turnovers last night. He had more than that in the game against Tennessee back in December, and that was a real sticking point in terms of mm-hmm. issues. Um, I don't think that that's a super repeatable for re- repeatable performance, although some people are going to say UCLA, Tennessee are the two best teams Arizona has played all year, and it's the two teams that they've had the most trouble with. I think there's a little bit of truth to that, but ultimately, did my, my mic is gone. I can't hear myself. Oh, okay, there we go. Um, the The thing that stands out to me, though, is – Arizona last night, it didn't feel feel like they did not have good shots. They just missed a bunch. I, I love how one technical difficulty yeah. happens and you just shut down. Yeah, I just I just, just melt. Yeah. And then you just continue on with your point as soon as it's fixed. Yeah. Thank things, you. Things are on fire tonight on my end of the spectrum. Just trying to keep It seems show like someone just nuked the with, studio. With duct tape. We're getting by. Uh, so I thought that the whistle was pretty harsh against Arizona, particularly in the second half as they tried to get back into the game. There were a couple of moments where they flirted with maybe... There's this area that exists in a game that's a double-digit plus game where the team that's trailing will get it to nine, and if they can hit the next shot, all of a sudden it's seven or six, and you've got a two-possession game. Game on. But if they can't get over that hump, it just never really feels like they're in the game to any effect. And that's what happened to Arizona in the second half. It never really became close... And I felt like if the officials had 
had a couple moments where they gave a call to Benedict Matherin, who felt like he was getting jumped every time he went into the air. We maybe get a closer game, but the game flow just didn't dictate that since the whistle wasn't going Arizona's way. Is that fair? Yeah, he, he Benedict Matherin. There was there was at one point in the second half he got a foul call, laid one in, and then there was a media timeout. And before like at like the the managers bring out the little the little stick chairs. Everyone runs out on the court. Benedict Matherin just went two hands on his knees. Yeah. And just like Jimmy Butler meme. Yeah, he 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 was bent over just exhausted from how much work he was having to um put into this one and, and really no one else was helping him out. I mean, he, if you just are doing the box score looking, if you did not watch this game, you'd be like, "Oh, Benedict Matherin was 5 for 22. He didn't play well." Well, he didn't play his best game. I think that his mid-range looks were extremely well contested by UCLA's defenders, mm-hmm. and Ju Zhang had a pretty decent defensive game. Jules Bernard had a pretty decent defensive game. Peyton Watson had a really good defensive game for UCLA, um, and I think Peyton Watson's contributions were significantly more than anything that a box score would tell you. But Benedict Matherin was not the problem for U of A last night, and it was certainly a Kerkrisa problem. It was Christian Cloco getting flat-out bullied by Cody Riley inside for most of the, most of the game. Azulas Tabellas was just not very good, and I understand he had an ankle yeah. injury that happened against Stanford, so that's understandable to a certain extent. Right. But this is a team that should shoot significantly better than it did. Mm-hmm. Larson was two for seven from three, and I believe the stat that I saw is that he's now two for 18 in the the four toughest games that they've played, like the four hardest mm-hmm schedule or resume games that they've played so i don't know if it's necessarily just not necessarily the easiest looks that he's gotten which there's maybe there's some truth to it maybe there's not but i was in i was super excited to watch this game and the first five minutes confirmed that for me and it was 16 to 17 and it was back and forth and both teams were hitting threes and there was it wasn't like there was bad defense being played but there was elite shot making and then the the good to above average defense continued for UCLA and Arizona just lost everything and when Arizona loses everything they do kind of run themselves into trouble because they shoot so quickly and they play so fast that it kind of unraveled so when Kurt like you love the Kirk Kreese pull up threes in transition the catch and shoots even if there's a hand in his face or there's a guy in his peripheral vision but when that's happening and you're 0 for 11 for the game like, I understand Dion Waiter's meme, but maybe slow down a little bit with the tube socks and everything. Uh, see, the part with this that is going to be so over-labored as a point by casuals is Arizona has played two good teams. Two teams that have been ranked, Tennessee and UCLA. And they're 0-2 in those games, so how good are they? It's a classic... Well, Gonzaga ain't play nobody, Paul, argument. That's what I said Monday night. I said Monday night. Gonzaga against the WCC, like if you're looking at Ken Palm, has uh, played a tougher schedule than than Arizona State or sure. Arizona has in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 sucks. True, true, and unrelated. This part of the Pac-12 that Arizona ran into last night does not suck. But true. Arizona doesn't suck. They had a bad night. They didn't make shots. They've got a player that they rely on heavily in Tabellas to run offense through the block who – according to Molly McGrath in her sideline report in this game, is toughing it out and is playing, but really doesn't have the ability to put the kind of lateral weight on his ankle 
that he needs to slide and defend and really be active. He can go forward and backward without pain, but can't go left to right. You kind of need to go left to right to play basketball effectively. Benedict Matherin was really good early on, but everything else included, I'm not saying that he played poorly, but he didn't impact the game in the second half, and that is a fact. That's a fact. Bottom line is, Arizona will play UCLA in less than a week's time. At home, at McHale. And I fully anticipate that we see something that looks a lot different in that game than what we saw in Los Angeles last night. Yeah, I think so too. I think I will pick Arizona to win again. That said, I'm going to play devil's advocate now. Let's look at this in relativity. That's what I actually, I just wanted to get that on wax, that that's how I actually feel. But let's take the other side of the coin now. UCLA played Gonzaga early in the year without Cody Riley. They got destroyed. Somewhat of an afterthought after that. They've hovered inside the top 10, but we haven't really known what they would look like against a staunch test. Of course, they lost that game to Oregon at home. But what does this tell you about UCLA? Well, it tells me that there's still the team that existed in the NCAA tournament bubble last year. Like, there's still... They're in there somewhere. Yeah, it's it, it it that it that team exists. It also tells me that that team uh, would prefer to play in front of some people, and maybe we shouldn't hold the the. Uh, this is what I was saying. I I said this is not second guessing. This is first guessing because I was saying this as it happened. That good for Oregon. They are playing better, mm-hmm. but the accomplishment of what they pulled off in beating UCLA and beating USC two days apart in empty gyms is not the same as, say, if a Big 12 team had gone in back-to-back or in a Saturday-Monday turnaround and beat Baylor and Kansas. It doesn't even matter if it was on the road for both. Like, what what Texas Tech did against Baylor and Kansas in ensuing matchups was significantly more impressive than what Oregon did against USC and UCLA because like the the crowd was a real thing last night and when the student sections chanting MVP at you sarcastically for missing every shot as they were at Kirk Creasa like that's that's something that cle- clearly rattled them to a certain extent and it, they were rattled when Arizona was rattled when they played at Tennessee and they turned the ball over 12 times in the first 8 minutes of that game so like that that part of UCLA really impresses me that they can play that defense and that they can have the same shot-making on the floor while being able to kind of get away with playing Peyton Watson, who's not necessarily skilled offensively. Um, if he, like, rounds out his game, I don't know if he'll be a guy who goes the NBA, like, immediately after this year. If he gets a three-point shot, watch out, because he can guard as well as anyone in this conference. He, he reminds me a little bit of Jalen Hans, who used to play there, who's a super bouncy athletic guy who could – defend at a high level, and the skill set never really came to exist with him. And that's why he's not made it to the league or anything to that effect. But uh, Peyton Watson, in a lot of ways, is the X factor on this team because Jules Bernard is going to give you what he's going to give you. Singletary is going to give you what he's going to give you. Johnson, the transfer from Rutgers, I actually thought was terrific last night. It's a very veteran team. Bill Walton made this point during the game that 
UCLA is pretty much the exact same team that made the Final Four last year, while Arizona doesn't have a single player that's been in the NCAA tournament. We have seen Arizona now play in these games and lose. They shouldn't have lost to Tennessee. We've talked at nauseum about that. They got jobbed in that game by the whistle. This was not a strong showing, and they need to show well against UCLA when they get them at home. Otherwise, at that point, we will fairly call into question what we thought about Arizona. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, The win against Illinois is the one thing that they can hang their hat on at this moment, where it's like, we're capable. We are capable. Especially on a road, in in the road environment. But, like, I I don't know. I think it, where, I, where I land walking away from this is it makes the Pac-12 race more interesting. It makes the number one seed race right. across the country and more if interesting. UCLA, if UCLA loses this game, the Pac-12 pretty much already just goes automatically to Arizona. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah, pretty much. Um and shout out Tiger Campbell for taking a charge with 25 seconds left. Yeah, by I 16. literally looked at him and said, "You blank <laughs> expletive." Um, it's safe harbor hours. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna I say. There's no anyway. reason to repeat that. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that was just unnecessary. You didn't need to do that. We get the point. Yeah. You made your point. You are that yeah, guy. You gotta spit in my face. You like, are that guy. Yeah. But good for them. Good for them. Like we love Mick Cronin here. Weird Mick Cronin interview at halftime. Nope. Like very strange. Nope. Scott saying nope. I do not like Mick Cronin. Well, that's in the fine. Um, the door is right behind you. <laughs> Mick Cronin, very weird interview. Very weird interview. We hold him to, you know, 34 points. I really like our chances. I'm Mick Cronin. I sand the floors and take names off of uniforms. And I'm bald and have never been to a concert. And I hate my athletic director. He doesn't like Martin Jarman. Because Martin Jarman didn't want to put fans in the stands. So. Well, he made it happen. Is what it will. Well, UCLA's after, after they lost coach Since John Wooden, greatest coach ever, some are saying, at UCLA, <laughs> McCronin gets it done over Arizona. Elsewhere around the country, I don't know. If, how much of Michigan State, Illinois, did you get to take in? The last four minutes. As somebody who picked Illinois, Assumably on the basis that, that Kofi was playing. Kofi and Corbello were both going to play. Now, I figured Kofi might not, and that's why I picked Michigan State. I was not anticipating Corbello not playing. You picked Illinois. I picked Michigan State. That game tips off. I feel very good. That didn't last very long. Illinois jumped them, got out big, and Michigan State's toughness was called into question by Tom Izzo a couple weeks ago before they lost to Northwestern. I don't know if this game was about toughness, but they certainly weren't as sharp as they needed to be in this one. You said you only watched the final four minutes, so you were uh, our favorite analyst, David Pollock, terminology here, tight butthole time the entire time. Yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking. Um, Illinois tried to lose that game. <laughs> yeah, and they, they were winning the majority of it, but I have a number here for you that's pretty astounding. Michigan State... It was so. Fr- I watched this game from tip to final whistle, and of course, it comes down to the very end. Mark Bingham missed the front end of a set of free throws that had he made. Was it Gabe Brown? No, it was. Um, it was uh, Malik, Malik Hall. Hall. Malik, Hall. Malik Hall. Excuse me. Malik Hall misses the first of two free throws. If he had made both, 
it would have been overtime because it was point two seconds left. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> he misses the first and the second, which he needed to intentionally miss. He makes. Yeah, but you can't lose. do anything with point two. You can maybe tip something back in. It's more than you can do with a make. You can't have a possessed tip. It's more than you can do with a make. He was just trying to cover. It's more than you can do with a make. Um, but here's the crazy number. Michigan State, they made their first three of the game. You want to guess? They did that at the 18-minute mark. You want to guess when the next time they made a three was? Just tell me. It took them 27 minutes and 37 seconds to make their second three of the game. While attempting how many? Ten. Three-point variance is a thing, people. And sometimes college basketball players miss shots they should make. And what I am consistently learning is that will tell you who's going to win and lose a game almost every time at the college level. I like this because the other three individuals in these two rooms never got to meet the Peyton T. Gallagher that didn't believe in three-point variance. <laughs> oh. This is a real evolving moment for Peyton. I'm glad. I'm glad that we've gotten to this point. To be fair, it's very truthful. It's very truthful. To be fair, I think the three-point variance stuff was a lot harder to look at through the fisheye lens that was crowdless arenas and better shooting backdrops. Yeah, but this is something that I've talked about. It is for longer than that. I refuted it for a while. Well, I mean, not really. Not really. It's not really a thing you've talked about for longer than that. I talked about it for the spring of 2020. I don't think so. Or the late winter of it. Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. This is pointless. I got really on the bandwagon last year when we were talking about Alabama and such. But, yeah, right. like certainly. like Michigan State is not a horrible three-point shooting team. Well, and I'll tell you, it was why it was so frustrating to watch this game because they were generating really good shots and just not making them. And that is my concern with Michigan State because when Max Christie, who is oh, a friend yeah. of the program. We have a Max Christie insider on this <laughs> show now. Oh, yes. Great friend of mine, Max Christie. Soon to be great friend. Friend of a friend, but soon to be friend of the program. Love Max Christie. Mm-hmm. But continue. Thank you for giving me the green light there. Um <laughs> Max Christie didn't play well, and when Max Christie doesn't play well, this team just doesn't have a ton of creation. Gabe Brown has gotten better. He is a really good player. Bingham is a good player. Marble's a good player. Hauser's a good player. This is another team that doesn't really have that dude who can just say, all right, clear it out. I'm going one-on-one. If you double, I know what play to make. I know where to put the pass. If you don't double, I'm getting to the cuff. I'm getting a good look, and I'm finishing. They don't have that dude. And in this game, they lost their grip on the leader spot in the Big Ten. They may get another chance at it, but I I am a guy who said I was buying Michigan State stock a couple weeks ago, and I think that was misguided. Sold. I don't know if we're there yet, but we are certainly looking at options on how to... You're worried about what the portfolio looks like at the moment. I, I... I would just say Max Christie needs to shoot out of things. Like, even if he's having a bad night, 
Uh, that was not happening in this game. Yes, but but the thing is, like, there's not many better options. Michigan State's not well suited to have games where Gabe Brown is the leading three point attempter. That's not the way that they operate at the at the highest level. I I don't I the thing that I come back to with Michigan State is like in a league full of elite players, Illinois, Kofi, Wisconsin has Johnny Davis, Ohio State has EJ Liddell, Purdue has Ivy, Travion, and Edie. Like go down the list. Who is the like I love Gabe Brown. Shout out Gabe on Gabe's, but Gabe Brown is not an elite player. Tyson Walker is not an elite player. Max Christie is not at this point an elite player. And neither is Marcus Bingham. So like those those are their four dudes that they frequently re- rely upon and I Joey Hauser gets some minutes too. Who played great in this game. But like none of those guys none of those guys when they flash the like f- the marquee graphic for Fox and they have the two players side by side. It's like Fox producers could pick anybody mm-hmm. of those of those guys. There's not really a correct answer. Whereas every other Big Ten team that is in the top half of the league, even Indiana has TJD, Michigan has Hunter Dickinson, like Iowa has Keegan Murray. All of those teams have designated people. And Michigan State doesn't have that. And my thought is the longer that you get into the conference play when teams start to get scouted and your, your base offense gets scouted and the league kind of knows who you are, if you don't have someone like who can just overtake the system and get you a bucket in tough times, you're going to struggle at times. And that's the thing that I'm worried about in a league, in a Big Ten that scores more than more than normal, that Michigan State is a team that doesn't necessarily score at an elite level. I disagree with none of it. Um, it's just it's frustrating to watch them lose a game that they should have won. I didn't have a lot of luck. In those situations, I picked against Kentucky, knowing that Ty Ty Washington probably wasn't going to play. Mississippi State smokes a ton of layups at the beginning, have to claw their way all the way back. Iverson Molinar goes for 30, gets them into OT. They fall flat. It was not a good week for your boy. It was not a good week for your boy. Uh, And I think I was just cursed by trying to outsmart the system, and the basketball gods laughed at me and said, you think you're so smart reading the injury reports. Well, here's a poop sandwich. Nice. Nice. Uh, speaking of teams that have a ton of guys but maybe no dudes, Xavier lose dramatically to Providence today, and Xavier has played a handful of ranked teams in the Big East. They feel like they have lost all those games between losing to Marquette. They split the season series, but losing to Marquette, losing to Providence here tonight. Losing to Villanova both times. I really believe in this team, but it's starting to get hard. I will cede the floor because Xavier's a team that you've believed in a significant amount more than I have throughout the year. So, again, uh, maybe not the most favorable whistle here in this one. Uh, Al Durham leads all scores with 22 points. He was 10 of 10 from the line. Maybe make him earn it a little bit more than that. I don't know. Just a thought. Xavier... And here is why I love Xavier. Xavier is a team that checks out with all the advanced shooting metrics. They shoot a ton of threes. They generally make a lot of threes. But you look at their shooting numbers after watching them play like three or four games, and you go, huh, they're only shooting 33%. 
I'll tell you why. And this is all from behind the arc. Xavier, this season, has shot in their losses a combined 24 for 109 from three. And wins 117 out of 299. 39% from deep in wins and 22% losses. And that tells you the whole story on Xavier, and I don't know what to make of that. I mean, that, that to that me— Is that bad luck? Well, to me, it's it's a, a mark of a team that doesn't have elite consistency. And if they don't have elite but consistency, it, like the they're— problem. It is consistent. It's consistent against good teams. Consistently bad against good teams. That makes no sense. Well, does it? And maybe it does. And, and that's why I'm a little bit concerned about the Savior team that I think is the best in the Big East. But at this point, you just cannot make that claim with a straight face. Yeah, the Villanova's better. I and, disagree. And Villanova's better despite the fact that, like, I, the Big East has, I think, five ranked teams at the moment. They don't have anyone who I would put in the elite tier. No, absolutely not. And, and that is a fact. And Scott scoffs but Scott, Scott talk, let's let's yeah, hear it like what's the argument. what's the case against sure. that statement Villanova's an elite team how listen they put your mask have... back on <laughs> they've lost some games this year I know they haven't they lost to UCLA they lost to Creighton but this is a team that like we said with Colin Gillespie in is it Samuels Robinson Samuels yeah Villanova is an elite team in my opinion they shoot the ball better than anybody in the conference better than UConn as much as I hate to say that but Villanova, they are a tournament team. Jay Wright's won two championships with them. He's a great March coach. Sure, right now they may not be elite, but when they get the Yukons and the Marquettes in for the first and second time, they're going to be able to beat them, in I my feel, opinion. I feel bad because we put them on the spot there with that, but that was not much of an argument. Well, but, like, I just don't think that the Big East is elite this year. I think there's yeah, a lot of teams between a- 10 and tw- like t- a lot of teams that on their good night you're like, Maybe that's a top 15 team in the country. And then on their bad night, you're like, well, that team doesn't deserve to be ranked. Like, when Villanova's losing in the second half to Georgetown, a Georgetown program that wants to fire Patrick Ewing and just hasn't found a good reason not to at this point, um, aside from the three-game run or the four-game run in, in Madison Square Garden last year, like, I don't – that's not a – I understand what the Ken Palm numbers are. Then there's rare teams in which I'm going to – scoot on and be a little off on versus what he thinks pretty frequently and Villanova is one of them like Houston is one of them I think that what we've seen from Colin Gillespie and I'm not trying to like injury shame but with his knee injury there's nothing elite athletic athleticism wise and Peyton makes a very good point whenever Villanova has played teams uh that are athletically superior to them I know that Gillespie can be decent but what most of the time ends up happening in the UCLA game, in the Baylor game, in, in games against elite competition, is Gillespie settles for jumpers, and it truly becomes a hope he makes them. And yeah. sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. But when he plays a team like UCLA, who defends pretty decently, tougher look. When he defends, when he plays against a team like Baylor, who gets up in you, plays tough defense, hard hard guards guarding you, he doesn't have nearly as much success. So I just don't think that, like, and that's not a shock. Like, of course, you're not going to be as good against Baylor. But if we're grading Villanova against its peers and its peers 
typically a quote unquote elite team. Yes, it's 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 peers are teams that we fully expect to play in the Sweet Sixteen and beyond. Did Cody Riley play in the first Villanova game, or in the game against Villanova early in the year for UCLA? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it makes a difference. Um, and like if if we're grading Villanova versus teams we expect to play in the Sweet Sixteen, they have for the most part, failed that test. Yeah, I, I think they're good. I don't think they're elite, and uh, this is another team where Villanova's probably going to just fall ass-backwards into winning the league. Yeah, that's... But, yeah. I mean, Kirby Smart said it. You're either elite or you're not, and Villanova is not elite. They're a good team, but I don't think Jay Wright would even tell you that this team is one that belongs in that legit title contender conversation, and I think that's a distinction that was missed there. And, you know, Scott, you started to talk, and then you realized, well, what am I actually saying here? Villanova is good. They're not elite. And that's fine. That is fine. But this team doesn't have Mikhail Bridges. This team doesn't have elite guard play like they had with Josh Hart or Ryan Archie Diacono or any of the great guards that have preceded Colin Gillespie. I have long withheld that Colin Gillespie is the most overrated player in the sport, and I still believe that. He should not have been a preseason All-American. He shouldn't have been last year. But he's going to get national acclaim because Villanova plays these sleepy midweek games, and I don't think the nation's really paying attention to what Villanova is this year. Uh, I think the thing is wide open. I just think that Villanova has done a a good job of remaining consistent, and that is marks to Jay Wright because he's the best coach in the league, that his team consistently shows up and is what they are. But what they are is nothing special. I was wrong. Cody Riley did not play against Villanova, that and they still sense. lost. They still lost. It was a close game, though. Overtime game in that one, yeah. But, like, yeah, after kind of hearing myself talk, Villanova, they're not, okay, they're not, like, in the nation's elite. They're not the Auburn or Gonzaga's, but they are the top dog in the Big East, and the Big East, in my opinion, has seven or eight tournament teams this year, depending on how the Whoa! rest Whoa! Yep. I mean, resident bracketologist, but, jeez, <laughs> man, seven or eight? The Big East is a deep league, man. Think about it. Providence, Vill- Villanova, what? UConn, Marquette, Creighton, Xavier, Seton Hall. Creighton? Creighton. Right now, uh, for now, yes. Huh? For now, yes. Uh, so what uh, Seton Hall is not necessarily a, a, an NCAA well, tournament yeah, team as much say- as you might what think What you're saying are. is you're slanting the table towards all the teams that are on the precipice being in. When in reality, I think it's going to be a five-bid league where DePaul will be out of this conversation. DePaul's not in the conversation. Right, but I'm just saying DePaul, St. John's, all the perimeter teams, Seton Hall maybe, who's really starting Mm -hmm. to backslide. Uh, Creighton I don't see as a tournament team whatsoever. There There are 11 teams in the Big East. Georgetown, DePaul, and Butler are all out of the conversation immediately. Seton Hall has seven losses. St. John's has seven losses. Their quad one wins. St. John's is 0-2 against AP-ranked teams this year. They missed yeah. They missed their two chances. Yes. Um, I know that they're going to get some in the league play, but, like, Seton it's Hall, not a 7 Seton league. Hall has it's a early resume, which is we beat some really good teams. We've also got a bunch of losses. What are you going to do with us? The Texas win will bear important. The Winning five, at Michigan is a quad one win. The five teams that are ranked right now will make the tournament. And then one or two of Creighton, St. John's, and Seton Hall will make the tournament, but not all three. I've not been tuned into Creighton. What has Creighton done to put them on the bubble all of a sudden? Well, they beat Villanova at home. They, as I pull up their recent schedule, they beat B- <clears throat> they beat BYU. They beat BYU. Yes, they beat Marquette on the road. 
Um, they lost to Iowa State. They lost to Arizona State. Blew out St. John's. I watched them in person. I watched them in person, and granted, I saw them on one of the worst nights of their year, probably. Um, they're not that. They're not that impressive. Yeah, like like my, they matched my up. The basis of watching Creighton is against ASU, and I was not of the mind that that team would make the tournament. No, but I guess they beat Villanova, which that matters. Not only did they not only did they beat Villanova, but they smashed Villanova by twenty. It was a convincing win. Villanova seems to have trouble with them, no matter what. Yeah. Creighton's like the Big East, like, I don't want to say Grim Reaper, but it's a team that can pick you off no uh, matter who you are. Grim Reaper, you say? Uh, <laughs> yeah. When it is grim, you know what to do. Villanova is 131st in offensive efficiency. Uh, they're kind of middle of the pack defensively, too. I think they're like 80 or 90. And, or effective field goal percentage, excuse me. I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. They're they're kind of they're okay, and it seems like all the predictive metrics always prop them up, and the national media always props them up. And just as they were last year, they're fine. But they're nothing special. So let's stop treating them with that kind of respect when we are five years removed from them being an elite team. Yeah, I'm. I, that's as much Big East tar as I feel like is warranted tonight. Boo. Okay. Any other comments on games around the country so far this week? Chuck Moore at the buzzer. Miami continues to win as they top the ACC at the middle point pretty much of the conference season. No, you just shake your head no. Yeah, That's yeah. great radio. All right, on the other side of a break, heat check continues after this. You know that crazy ex that really never gets the message? We'll move on to Blaze Radio and you'll never want to. Find a new love with ASU's original alternative at blazeradioonline.com. Bienvenido a la nueva show de Blaze Radio, Salsa Season, con me, Zach, Mallory, and Susan. Salsa Season, Blaze Radio, blazeradioonline.com. From 11 p.m., taking you into Thursdays on Wednesdays. Tune in for all your spicy takes, salsa reviews, and much, much more. Gracias. Adios. Ladies and gents, this is Blaze Radio. Live from downtown, the Bill Austin studio. Blaze Radio Online is where you go to stream shows with sports and music ones with news and everything in between. Really clown myself with that villain overtake. Tired, fed up with it all. You'll be even more fed up listening to the review square. The side effects include ranting and mumbling, even without others present. The urge to start Twitter beef with other boys shows, and a strong desire to see things change for the better. Talk to your doctor to find out if the review squared is right for you. Treatment plans include a live show every Friday at 7 p.m., or you can pick it up at your convenience, wherever you get your podcast. Learn more by visiting blazeradioonline.com.
FTC, Fastest one. Let me get a, let me get a heat check, heat check, heat check, heat check, heat check, heat check, heat Can I get a heat check, heat check, heat check, heat check, heat check, heat check, heat check. You heard the man, a heat check. I have breaking news. Other than Caleb Williams going to USC. Yeah, which. Shout out Carson Brever. Um, please credit at heat check underscore show when when that news breaks. Um, for real, for real. Uh, we have breaking news. Another SEC coach, not named sick Nick Saban. Sorry, I was supposed to say sick. Uh, sick. Not named, not named Nick Saban. Um, sick Naven is a huge fan of D's nuts jokes. We're really. And it's John Calpari. He's eating peanuts out of a box that says D's nuts. And his uh, daughter, it. his daughter shared it on social media tonight. So um, huge. I don't know if that changes your calculations on Kentucky, Kansas w- this weekend. Riley, would you like to chime in? That will be definitely mentioned on the coaches in combat tomorrow, for sure. That will play. <laughs> that will play a part. That is that is big news. So thank you for that. Sensational. Excellent. And that's breaking news. I had a bumper for that. I mean, I could have. Okay. All right. You want to do Gabe on Gabe's? I don't have a bumper for this. Absolutely. I mean, you guys get in action. Make some noise for my boy. Let's go, Gabe. Gabe. Welcome into Gabe, Gabe on Gabe's. This is the Gabe, uh, Peyton. Am, am I correct? Gabe, Third edition of Gabe, Gabe on Gabe's. Gabe. 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 This was a very big time week for Gabe's. Uh, not necessarily in the college basketball world. I was relatively disappointed by Gabe Osaboyan tonight. Not very good. Four straight losses for West Virginia. Tough one tonight against Oklahoma. I think they lost by double digits on their home floor. Not a great look. Gabe Kalsher fouled out tonight at Oklahoma State. Good for Iowa State. They won in, in double uh, in overtime. Excuse me. Uh, but Gabe Kalsher did not play well. 0 for 6 from 3. I think I might have to revoke shooter from the resume of Gabe Kalsher. A lot of a lot of Big 12 announcers say he's a shooter. Guys, he's shooting in the 20s in percent from the three-point line. Great game, though. Not a three-point shooter. It was an incredible game. Shut up, no Tyrese one ever Hunter. led by more than four. There were 28 lead changes. Yeah. Tyrese Hunter tried to step out of bounds and give the game away a couple times. Twice. Um, but what I will say, Gabe Brown, three points in a win over Wisconsin. Not very impressive. Uh, 10 points on Tuesday night in the loss to Illinois. Not that impressive. So if you're picking up what I'm putting down, uh, Gabe Stefanini, 0 for 5 in a loss to Gonzaga on Thursday night last week. Gabe sucks. Gabe's in college basketball have not been great. But I did say Gabe's across America have represented. And so out of default, I hate to do this. As a college basketball guy, I hate to do this. But Sunday night, someone really special showed out for the brand. And I would like to give a round of applause to Gabriel Davis for four touchdowns, eight receptions, 201 yards. Valiant effort. It wasn't enough. Gabe. 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 One of us. One of us. Gabriel Davis, congratulations. You win January week of January 26th, Gabe of the week. I hope it's a good consolation prize for Patrick Mahomes sending you home with an L. That was Gabe on Gabe's. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This okay. is what elite college radio sounds like. IBS nominated. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Nationally vindicated. 
Time for Wee Woos and Woohoos, where three freshmen tell us the names of teams and we tell you if we are wee wooing or woohooing. I think it's pretty self explanatory. The OGs understand. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's your cue. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start. Um, my team this week is Michigan. They started off real slow, but now they have three wins in a row in conference, beating Maryland, Indiana, and Northwestern tonight. It seems like Caleb Houston may have found his stroke from deep. What do you guys think of Michigan? It's a woohoo for me. Uh, Michigan is a team that played horribly in the non-conference but had all the talent, had a coach that we presume is pretty good. And if guys like Cisse and or Diabate, I always get Musa Cisse and Musa Diabate confused. Uh, and I just watch Musa Cisse play. So if Diabate and Hunter Dickinson can find a way to coexist, it's never going to be on the floor at the same time. But if they can find a rotation that makes that make sense, they get solid guard play if uh, Elijah Brooks is playing at a high level and if they are able to get Caleb Houston to actually do things that are beneficial on the basketball court, that's a tournament team to be afraid of. Yeah, I think that they, like, people have written them off and people have kind of crapped all over them for what they did in non-conference play um, and people have used them as an example for why Arizona doesn't necessarily have a great resume been like well that that win isn't what it was in the moment and sure that's true but it's hard to win by double figures at assembly hall and i mean you can say and indiana said it themselves that there was a little emotional hangover after beating purdue on thursday night but you're the liver kings that can't happen yeah to you. yeah that should not that should not be happening and in the big 10 with a bunch of quality wins available to them i think michigan can really figure this thing out um they did beat Northwestern only by two tonight. So I'm not going – honestly, this is the segment of wee-woo and woo-hoo. I'm not going with either. I'm in the very – I'm in a very that middle ground. That isn't an option. No, I'm in the middle ground. No, you don't get to do that. I'm going with woo-wee because it's woo for winning and it's wee for giving up a 20-some oh to five oh. run tonight. Hedge God gave. Correct. Okay. All righty. I am up next. I have the Iowa State Cyclones thoughts. They beat Oklahoma State on the road tonight. Yeah, I think that's why you got a woohoo is that they got their first road win in three years in the conference tonight. And although last week was really bad, this was always going to be what Iowa State was. That's a big win. That's a huge win to reverse tidings. And we know for a fact that when Isaiah Brockington gets support from somebody else, they can even beat teams like Kansas and Baylor. When Brockington does what he did tonight, which is give you 24, you get another solid game from another guy. Tonight it was Tyrese Hunter. Iowa State is a team to be reckoned with. So, woohoo. A team to be reckoned with. What are you looking at me for? They played within uh, one possession at Kansas. They. I'm just not in on it. I don't. I get. We know what they are, but. They yeah. lost by double figures at home to TCU. Stuff happens. Yeah, stuff happens. But here's the thing. They killed Texas. No one in the country takes more contested mid-range jump shots than Isaiah Brockington. Is that a fact? Not, it has not been verified. It Hashtag has not been. Ask Jared. It is not, we might have to ask Jared about that one. But when it's going well, he puts up 26. And he was 3 of 4 from 3 tonight. That was really good. He's not typically a huge three-point shooter. I say something nice about Iowa State. I love Caleb Grill. 
he was incredible from three-point range tonight, and he was extremely, extremely crucial to them being able to keep up with o- Oklahoma State in a game where two teams both, I think, would have, most people would say, outperformed their expectations. Um, yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely a woo-hoo for this week. I think it's a wee-woo for the fact that, like, the 24 straight road losses in Big 12 play, and it took this long, um, even though this team has been hyped up. I just – I think they're going to be a low seed in the tournament. I think they're going to – I think I think the Big 12 is going to keep beating them down. But they get Mizzou on Saturday in the SEC in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, so <laughs> – that's a win. That is a win. Mm. Well, almost wasn't for Auburn. This is also a fact. Uh, Scott, we woo or woohoo? All right. So the team I got staying in the Big Twelve. They have lost the last four games, three to top fifteen teams. But uh, where is where are the country roads taking West Virginia for you guys? Out of the tournament. Woohoo is not my answer at all. It's a big wee woo. Yeah, it's definitely a big wee woo. Bad against Oklahoma tonight. That's a game they should have won at home. And they never really looked like they were too much in the game. I don't think it was with under or within five points uh, throughout the entire last 20 minutes, which is what I watched. Can you imagine if West Virginia had a guy who could rebound the ball, maybe score inside a little yeah, bit? even if they still had Culver. I know you're talking about Oscar Sheehan. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> even if they had – even there's, there's so many guys from – even if they had, like, a Nathan Adrian, someone who could score. Who? Adrian! Thank you, you. If you do, you remember Nathan Adrian? That was, that was excellent. No, I don't. Okay, well, Nathan Adrian was more than solid enough to be capable for Does, this team. Hold on, Strawpole. Does anybody in this room know who Nathan Adrian is? Yes, he played with Javon Carter, and um, yeah, he's that team that lost to Notre Dame in the what was okay. the round of thirty-two that year. Did Kevin, did you know? Not gonna lie, no. Scott, I knew the name. Yeah. Okay. Nathan Adrian looks like a guy who could have been the Mountaineer. Yeah. Like Tanner Groves. Yeah, like Tanner Groves. Like Tanner Groves was fit. Like Tanner Groves transferred to the wrong school. Um, Tanner Groves is what I imagine Riley would be if he were a college basketball player. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Um, I would say more Nate Lashesky I've been compared to with very minimal defense, but big, tall guy that just drills threes. But beard. Yeah, Tanner Groves is very accurate. Definitely a headband. Oh, Oh, yes. West Virginia is definitely a wee-woo, and that's why Gabe Osaboyan wasn't even in consideration for Gabe of the Week. Is West Virginia the worst team in the Big 12? No. Nope. I starting around to just affirm that you're as resolute in that stance as The worst team in the Big 12, I actually think, is Oklahoma State. Interesting. They won at Baylor. That's the insane part. I think... It's probably K-State, actually. The K-State team that played in the first half on Saturday is a top 20 team in the country. The K-State team that's played the last three halves that they've played is not. Baylor game was bad, especially without James Akinjo. Really bad. But Nigel Pack said they had what Indiana had, except for it was a losing hangover, which was the we just got our (laughs) guts ripped out. By Ochai and Poi. Okay, do you want to do some confidence meter on these SEC Big 12 Challenge games? Yeah, I have my I have my picks laid out. I have my scale 1 through 10. I have my numbers assigned to every game. Um, I'm ready to roll. Let's do it. 
First game, throw it out. Okay, my first – or do you want to go chronologically and then I'll tell you my confidence meter? Yeah, sure. I figured we'd both kind of, you know, okay. do that. Um, For some reason – okay, yes, yes, yes. That's that's what I was meaning to do. Keep it together. All right, yes. I was just – I didn't have all ten numbers listed out. Reed. Okay, first game of the day Gabe, at LSU. Gabe, Gabe. Thank Gabe, you for the support. Gabe, 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 Gabe. Gabe. First game of the day, LSU is going to the stockyards of Fort Worth to play TCU. I'm not super confident in this, but anyone who's been listening to this show knows I've been down on LSU this year. I was down on them tonight. I thought they were going to lose to Texas A&M. I think they lose to TCU on Saturday. So I'm going three confidence points on TCU. I know it's Cowtown, and Stockyards is cool and all. They should have called it the Slaughterhouse. Seems a little violent. I mean... Nobody wants to go to the slaughterhouse. Kevin, your thoughts? Would PETA approve? Oh, PETA would definitely <laughs> not approve of that whatsoever, man. What's your What's your confidence level? Send it in, Jerome! <laughs> TCU. What's your confidence? Four. Okay. Um, second game of the day. Oklahoma traveling to Auburn. Kind of drew a really crappy stick back in... October, whenever this game was scheduled. Pause. This thing should be reformatted so that a week before we do it, each conference gets to pick one matchup. Yes. It's not possible. Logistically, it's not possible, but yes. Why? They charter their own flights. Because fans you have reserve, to choose. You reserve the date. Because fans yeah, it's like a, to go places. Fans buy t- tickets to the second round of the Big 12 tournament before they know their team's in it. It's a lot easier to travel when you know four months in advance. Okay, then do it a month in advance. And can you imagine if, for example, a team like Tennessee a couple years ago had a trip to Allen Fieldhouse planned, and then and then the SEC office is like, yeah, psych, you're not good enough to go there. Well, I mean, your league would be looked as uh, – that would leak. Your league would be looked at as a cowardly league if you chose to not put your best team up against their best team. Or but maybe the- we set it up so the best team in the standings – at the point two weeks prior to the game being played, plays the best team. I honestly think it's fine most of the time. I feel like we have a lot of missed opportunities. Which, we, we are getting Kansas and Kentucky, though. Yes. And that's great. The the simplest addendum that they could make to this thing is be like, hey, Oklahoma, you're going to be in the state anyways. You go play Alabama. Hey, Baylor, you're going to be in the state anyways. You go play Auburn. That's That'd what nice. they should be doing. That'd be nice. Um, Oklahoma at Auburn. I'm picking Auburn, and I'm going with nine confidence points. Nine confidence points. Because well, you have to do one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One through ten. So my three is TCU. My I, nine I is Auburn. I understand. So. That's an emphatic statement from an Auburn team that just scraped by in Columbia against Missouri. I think Oklahoma will give them a game. I do. I just don't think they've got enough front court size to win this. Uh, but I am only going with a three. Okay. That place will be roaring. Lloyd Noble will be on fire. All right, so you're at four for TCU, three for Auburn. Missouri and Iowa State is our next game. I can't imagine that there's a lot to think about for this one. Where is it? It is at Iowa State. Yeah. I will be picking Iowa State, but I'm honestly not that confident in it because they could truly just play a game where they can't score, so I'm going with five confidence points. Iowa State, two confidence points. Okay. West Virginia, who we just 
we wooed on. Hell. Going to Arkansas. Hell. Confidence meter for Arkansas then. Seven. I, I had Arkansas at six as my confidence meter. Baylor at Alabama. This is where I think you and I are going to disagree significantly. I have, ba- I have Baylor with seven confidence points. Okay, okay, I'm glad. I'm going to take Alabama to win that game. More on that later. So I would assume you have confidence low. Confidence points. One. Eight. You're extremely confident Alabama wins that game. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, here we go. Uh, Kansas State traveling to Oxford, Mississippi for Ole Miss. Great place to go. I'm going Kansas State with the road upset, one-point confidence. Upset? They will be underdogs. You think? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Ole Miss would... wins, but it's like literally a wishbone, like one confidence point. Yeah. So we're both that game. That game's getting one and point. And by the us. way, whichever team loses that game is out of the tournament picture. The other one is firmly on the bubble. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oklahoma State traveling to Gainesville. I will take Florida with four confidence points. They bench Flandris. L. Oklahoma State. Mike White's going to get fired. What was your confidence points for that? Three. Mississippi State at Texas Tech. I'm taking Texas Tech 10 confidence points. This is the game I'm yeah. most sure that they will not lose. We saw Sheboy. I love this Mississippi State team, but like Jeffries and Garrison Brooks, they. I have nothing to affirm this. They just look a lot skinnier now. Way less burly. And we saw Oscar Sheboy just push Mississippi State around. He got 20 boards. He was the first 20 and 20 guy in like 30 years or something in the SEC. And so I, I I don't see why Texas Tech wouldn't be able to do the same thing. The only thing I worry about is a little bit of that emotional hangover from the Kansas game. Therefore, I'm going to give a confidence meter of six that Texas Tech wins. All right. Kentucky at Kansas and Tennessee at Texas close out the night. Kansas is three three games back of Kentucky all-time in wins. Listen, Kansas should absolutely win this game if Ty Ty doesn't play. It gets a lot tighter if he does. And I don't know what his status is going to be. People have said that it wasn't as bad as it looked, but he didn't play against Mississippi State. Dave McCormick is going to get his lunch probably taken from him by Oscar Sheboy, though. That said, these seem to be the moments where Dave McCormick delivers. So I'm going to take Kansas, confidence meter of six. I have Kansas winning with a confidence meter of eight. Um, I don't know what Kentucky's going to do defensively against Ochai. I honestly think— They'll throw Kellen Grady at him, who doesn't foul, and is a pretty good defender. I was going to say maybe throw Jacob Toppin at him. That might be they not, could do that too. Not, not a bad they, idea. They have a couple options. They could go with Ware if they wanted to as well. Um, they've got a lot of things they can do. I, I, I think this is going to be a really good game. I it's think it'll first, be a f- really fun game. First in-person game day that they've had in pretty much two years. I think it's going to be a really, really fun and entertaining topper for a good basketball weekend. And if I'm not mistaken, you have not used your two-point confidence meter. Neither have I. I'm going to pick Texas to beat Tennessee just because I think the home court advantage. Rick Barnes. Return. Return. A little feisty Irwin center. I'm going to take Texas with two points. Tennessee. Okay. You Superior UT. Confidence meter of five. Tennessee has been bad away from home, though, so doesn't feel great. All right. I just hate Texas. Chris Goatee. Fair, fair point. 
Chris Goatee. He's got to earn that beard. Let's guard some men. That's what we're doing now. That's what we're doing now. Okay. You won last week. Why are you looking at me? You're wasting your shot clock. Oh, I didn't realize. I did. Okay, can we reset the shot clock? No. No, reset the shot clock. This is me. I'm. I'm. No. No. Kevin says technical. You better get going. No. No. He got the old board. Got to reset it. No. Reset it. Reset. Reset. You're so soft. It's four against one here, Peyton. Oh my goodness, you're so soft. Reset the play clock. Okay. All right. Iowa State this year. I sprinkled on this take back in December. Iowa State this year is directly pulling parallel line a 2017-18 Arizona State season. Both teams began the year 12-0. Both teams had quality non-conference wins over... Xavier. Both teams began conference play losing to the highest ranked team in their conference. Both teams opened the year 15 and 5 in their first 20 games. Likely going to be 16 and 5 if Iowa State wins against Missouri on Saturday, matches what ASU did. ASU was a top 10 offensive efficiency team. Iowa State was a top is a top 10 defensive efficiency team. Given what we've seen this year, and I just said earlier on the show, I believe Iowa State is going to be somewhere between a 9 through 11 seed, and they will be out in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Didn't even need the full clock. I, I learned mean, my lesson from last week. That's uh, that's great, man. So, 7 and a 9? What was that? You said 7 and a 9? I'm trying to clarify your They will be good. somewhere between a 9 through 11 seed. 9 through 11. I, just no. Like, the Big 12 is going to keep eating their lunch. Sure, and they will get enough wins with an electrified Hilton to not be an 11 seed. The resume is always going to look really good at the top. They got those wins in non-conference. They went to Creighton. They beat Xavier. I... I you were talking this take up, and I just don't see why. I'll show you what a real man's take looks like. <laughs> Alabama, rammer jammer, yellow hammer, is going to drop that hammer on one of the nation's best teams. Baylor is going to fall this weekend. Nate Oates hasn't lost this game this year. We said that Alabama might just be the best seven-loss team in the nation. We've been right about that. This year, 4-1 against teams with numbers next to their names, and it's because their rim and three rate is the top mark in the nation. Gentlemen, 95% of Alabama's shot attempts come within two feet of the rim or for, from behind the three-point line. First one might be kind of hard. Long Baylor defense. Sohan may not play. Akinjo may not play. That might matter too. But hard to get to the rack. It ain't hard to get threes up. Bama's going to chuck them. J.D. Davidson's going to dunk them through the rim. Alabama needs this win. Their tournament lines are on the line. Everybody is going to bring their hard hat into that arena, and those double birds will be ready because they know what's on the line. And Alabama 
trying to reclaim some sense of respect. After losing a national title, Sick Maven didn't step up. Nate Oates, Nate Goats, it's his time. Very well done. I can't believe Baylor can beat Alabama this weekend. I have abandoned the ship. The Nate Goats ship has been abandoned. Weaker men may not hold the line, gentlemen. <laughs> I do not have. I say not I. I have not diamond hands. Huh? On this one. Mm. No I... white flag here. You guys do the rest. All right, I can start. Um, Gabe, you kind of had me until the 9 through 11 seed. I don't know if they're going to get that low. And the way Peyton, um, his was more theatrical and really, you know, with the background music, he really brought it. And so that's why I like, I mean, I also think he made some great points about Alabama, um, the 95% ribbon three rate. He brought in some stats. I like that. I like, I like, uh, I like some numbers. And so I I'm literally gonna... brought stats. I literally told you one was... Yes, you brought some stats. They're mirror images of each other. Okay, this is true. This is true. But yours is more of just like a fact. Like, they are. <laughs> Hard hole statistics? On, like, fit, give me the point, please. But okay, like, my point is Gabe just seemed to be drawing comparisons to a team where Peyton's was more of a hot take of saying they're going to beat Baylor. I'm going to take Peyton in this one. Um, I'll go next. Um, sorry, Scott. I don't know if your voice is going to really count here. Give me Peyton with this one. The theatrics of everything and everything behind it. And I got lost in the 9 for 11 C2, just like Riley. And, uh, yeah, that's a very nice gesture you're making towards Gabe right now, Peyton. You can't see it, but it's safe harbor hours, so I guess he's allowed to do it technically. But <laughs> I so, know yeah. that uh, Peyton already won, but uh, this is tough because I can see Iowa State being the odd man out in the Big 12 and getting eaten alive for the rest of the conference season. But I also do believe Alabama has a very good chance of beating Baylor this week. So wait, 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 wait. If I'm hearing this correctly, four out of five people in this room think that no, don't, don't. Alabama's beating Baylor this weekend? I didn't no. say I think. I said there's a good chance. Taco bet on you, taco bet on you, taco bet on you, taco bet on you. You realize if you lose this taco bet, you're paying the price of four tacos as opposed to us only having to pay one. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm making a separate taco bet with every single one of you. Yeah, but I understand that. that. You're but still if, buying a total of four tacos. If you lose. Yeah. But I will one. also yes. say this. Yes. I will bet on mm. Baylor to win this game. Okay. Gentlemen, I would just like to clarify something here because I'm we're still relatively new here. I thought the point of us judging was to see whose argument we like better. Thank you, Kevin. That is the point. Yes. I never said that Baylor. Was I don't even lose. know if I believe this. I, didn't I never necessarily even... have a plan when I started talking. No, 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 no. no. I didn't even have a plan when I started talking. I just kind of went. I never even picked a winner. Gabe's just not used <laughs> to losing. He's just kind of being a sore loser right now. I think I don't like it. <laughs> okay, Scott. Same thing with Riley and Cav. Iowa State too low. I'm going Peyton. This is how I win. That's right. This is how I win. There's a lot of groupthink in this room. <laughs> and you can tweet that quote. <laughs> There's a lot of groupthink in this Sore room. Love the loser. smell of victory. Think me. for yourself, Riley. I did. I went first. I went yeah. first. Actually, yeah. I respect you the most. <laughs> I agree with everything Riley said, though. Riley and I literally think the same thing. Riley said that I used facts 
but Peyton used better facts. I mean, <laughs> no, have you acquainted yourself with our elections? Or oh, anything where we have to decide anything in this country? Facts don't matter. Good for you. Gabe. Congrats. 1-1. One, one. One, Gabe. One. Gabe. 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 Lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Scholarships and sanctions, and let's end yeah, this thing. We're already seven minutes past where we're supposed to be. All right. Who wants to begin? Uh, I'll get this started. So uh, I have both the scholarship and sanction tonight. My scholarship goes to Andrew and Bobby Hurley, both getting their garbage time on the same night, both playing for their fathers. And Andrew, UConn legend, even got a shot up and hit the stanchion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. When he said, and he hit the, uh, I was, I paused. I mean, shout out to Andre Jackson, who absolutely murdered a man in that game as well. That man is going to the moon. Bout time. He turned a corner. UConn's turned a corner with him. Watch out. All right, I got a scholarship and a sanction. We didn't get to North Carolina tonight, so I'd like to point out, first time in Carolina history, if they have won a game tonight, the first time in program history won a game while shooting under 30%. So, Gabe, you know, that's called clamps, all right? No more of this defense stuff from North Carolina. They locked down tonight. And uh, my sanction uh, goes to, I saw Juwan Howard doing it tonight. I don't know if other coaches did it, but he was doing suits and sneakers, but he was wearing a quarter zip. So I just don't really understand how you can be doing well, suits and sneakers in a court. I, I get the cause. It's literally a cause. <laughs> it's a good Riley, Riley, no. you're, Riley, 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 Riley. It is, yes. it is, it is a muted. time in which not a lot of people are listening. He's muted. It is, but let me just say this: you're you're coming out here with an anti. Yeah, I can't. No, it's no, no. You're not listening. To what I'm saying it's a great cause, but would it be so hard? <laughs> Two weeks in a row now. Two weeks in a row, Peyton. Yeah, Kevin. Alrighty. Um, not a lot of great dog matches this week. If you were listening to our show last week, uh, so I have a scholarship and a sanction. Uh, my scholarship goes to the Davidson student section for dressing up in speedos as an effort to distract the VCU free throw shooters tonight. Did work. Did not work, but you know what? Props off to them. I mean, that's cold Ohio right there. And uh, sanction to the ESPN lower third that said Illinois head coach Brad Underwood was Ao Desumo. Yeah, I love when stuff like that happens. Like that was, yeah. That's funny. That's two graphical errors or two TV errors for me in a row. Yeah, that, that was a tough one because it was a, it wasn't even a situation where they were quick cutting to something else. Like it, it was legitimately like it was his halftime interview. Yeah. Uh, not great. It happens though. Tough job. Yeah. Anything else? You got anything? Okay. Yeah. No, I do. Uh, scholarship to Kansas incoming commitment Grady Dick. Pretty good player at Sunrise Christian Academy. Is going to be very hated when he gets to college, and you will see why. But was named to the McDonald's All-American game today. And to celebrate, went to McDonald's wearing all of his apparel given to him for achieving this prestigious feat. And the caption for said Instagram post was one word. McDick. We love you, Grady. I can't wait for this Kansas team next year. Going to be a blast. Going to be a blast. Um, I wonder how 45-year-old Grady Dick is going to feel about that post. Like, like No you, regrets. Like, you think it's going to be something he laughs about? Or it's like, I just think it'll be interesting to see how, like, the Instagram age ages. I will say this. Um, this does not need to go on social media. But, uh... 
I know for a fact, and Grady is a Kansas kid, a lot of people do call it, a lot of people in Kansas call it McDicks. Yeah, I do too. That's what all my friends call it. Okay, so, okay, that's a national thing. That's oh, yeah. a national thing. It's a national thing. All right. I didn't, know if, I didn't know if that was an exclusive thing or not. So, uh, it's not surprising. No. And it's it fits. Awesome. It's not vulgar. It's just his last name. That's awesome. It's a play on words. Um, I, I just can't wait for his kids to, like, find him on Instagram and be like, what's this about? Yeah. If McDonald's is even still around. If Instagram is even still around. True. You ever um, wonder if kids are going to be like, in the future, Instagram is going to be like vinyl records for kids now? It's going to be like some hipster thing that happens with the indie kids in high school? I think about that sometimes. I don't ever get that deep. Instagram the next MySpace? Probably not. No. I, don't, I don't think <laughs> I so. I mean, it's literally just a place to look at pictures. Like, people... It'll still exist. Metaverse. Um, <laughs> if you're not living under a rock... You know that a big college basketball job came open today. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, but that like we'll we'll talk about it at some point. We'll talk about it right now. Um It's twelve thirteen. My replacement option. Say it with me, everybody. Scholarship, let's get the name. Slick Rick. Slick Rick. Slick Rick. Slick Rick. Slick Rick. Rick Patino. Bring the white white suits back. Just remember this. FBI, sting operation, all of the things that happened, Auburn, Arizona, USC, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas. all of them, they did what Peyton was doing to me a couple minutes ago, double birds to the FBI and the NCAA. I did not do that. And guess what? What we end up with, well, what the, what the Alabama fans were be, will be doing all weekend, uh, what we ended up with? Winning? Only Rick Pitino got fired. Spent a year in Greece. Changed man. Returned. Iona. Everything changed about the man except for his basketball X's and O's. Give him the Louisville job. They will be an elite ACC contender once again. Okay. I don't know about I mean that. Slick Rick. Slick Rick. Okay. That's enough of that. Um, Sanction. Kirk Creesa. Like, you've been doing it for a while. But, like. It's a great sanction. We don't need to watch you running around, my guy. Wearing a pair of tube stocks that you bought in the bookstore on your official visit. Like, what is going on? This is... Uh, Maybe his girlfriend thinks it's hot. You don't know what he's into. Tube socks. <laughs> That's he's in two of them. Breast so. cancer awareness, Kobe's. Anybody got anything else? No? Good. Out. Good. It won't just mean more this weekend. That's what you think, man. The Big 12. I, if you couldn't track, I picked seven Big 12 wins. I didn't think this was going to be the band version of this song. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> this is great. Close out with this every week. Have a great rest of the week. <laughs> this has been Heat Check. <laughs>